Welcome to Come Alive. I'm your host, Helena Jidovich, and I'm drawn to people who are engaged with life, eager to converse about truth and love, attentive to the people around them, and free to express the movements of their hearts. Here I'll share some of my daily prayer and life experiences of begging God to transform me into one of those people. Welcome along for the ride. Hello and welcome to Come Alive, episode 16. Today I'm very excited. We are going to talk about one of my favorite women who has ever walked planet Earth, and that is Edith Stein. So her feast day was on Wednesday, August 9th, and St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross is her uh, formal name after she became a religious sister. And she is an incredible woman and has written and spoken a lot about what it means to be a woman and how to, the importance of women and how great women are and how great men are and how great um, humanity is and how we are made to be complementary and um, to be children of God and to surrender our lives to him and to see things through that reality. So I think in light of the Barbie movie, which I have not seen yet, so uh, I have no opinion on it yet, but I've heard many, many mixed things from different friends. Um, and I've heard some really good men in my life say that they were deeply offended by the Barbie movie. Um, and I've heard some women in my life um, feel very like, ooh, rah, rah, like, yay, women, take over the world. This is awesome. And others be like, yeah, it was just cute. Like, I like thinking about, like, Barbie world. Like, that was kind of fun. <laughs> so there's, like, a whole slew of... of um, reactions I think that can be had um, and I don't have a particular one yet because I haven't seen the movie but that has just gotten me into lots of conversations recently about um, the role of men and women in the world and where do we go to learn that and I was thinking about my own personal journey and I think I grew up with somewhat of an understanding of like um, I will be a strong independent woman hear me roar I don't need to depend on everyone I can do everything myself women rock, girls rule, let's go, <laughs> let's go girls, <laughs> you know, was kind of like um, what I picked up growing up uh, to begin. And then I started coming around St. Paul's and then I started hearing, I thought, like the total opposite from the church. Like actually like women must be silent, women are like uh, less important, women are all sorts of things that are not true and that the church does not preach. And unfortunately has been somehow wrapped up into um like often what we hear from like religious circles, from Catholic circles. Um, so then um, I start hearing, you know, from, okay, going to the rest of like the secular world, what is it, does it mean to be a feminist? What does it mean to be pro-woman? And then I'm hearing um, like lots of stereotypes and I'm thinking like something feels wrong about that too. Like it doesn't seem like every woman has to uh, like pink and wear dresses and curl their hair, you know? Um, so, so what is all of this and what do we make of all of this? So a couple years ago, I discovered some incredible women, um, one of which, Edith Stein, and um, she is the one who actually wrote all of the background kind of information that became what um, Pope John Paul II coined the terms the feminine genius. Um, so all of the background is coming from Edith Stein, and in between there, there's um, an Alice von Hildebrand, who um, is an incredible philosopher and writer who also writes incredible Catholic, but like 
through the philosophical lens, which means it doesn't have to be Catholic. It's, it's simply seeking like what is true and accessible to the rational mind, even without like a faith component. So um, I really look up to these women and that's where I turn to, to learn more about like, okay, what does it actually mean to be a woman and what role do we have in the world? And what does the church have to say about this? So I would love to just talk about um, Edith Stein today and things that uh, she's said and that she's written um, and a like guiding quote from the Bible that I have often turned to and read is from Proverbs 31, which is entitled um, The Ideal Wife. And just this, uh, one of the last lines here, verse 30, especially when I'm thinking about like the Barbie movie and about like maybe like women over-sexualized in our culture or what women have to offer. And the reality is that like women are the pinnacle of creation. We are the crown jewel of creation. Um, all of creation in the world was, was um, made um, in an um, ascending order, right? In, in a uh, crescendo. And it crescendos, it ends, the grand finale is the creation of woman. So, of course, the female body is gorgeous. Of course, then, of course, this is what uh, Satan comes and attacks. But here is this line from Proverbs 31, verse 30. Charm is deceptive and beauty fleeting. The woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. The woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Okay, so it puts us back in this context of the point of our lives um, is to have a relationship with the Lord and uh, to surrender our lives to him and to experience um, all that he has for us, to be in union with him uh, on this earth and in the next life, in eternal life, for eternal life. So first, a little bit about Edith Stein. So she was born in 1891 in Germany. She was born into a Jewish family. And by the time she was a teenager, she had uh, was kind of very overwhelmed and, and stressed and kind of um, over school for a time um, and over religion. And she went to go stay with her sister for 10 months. Uh, and she decides to kind of walk away from any sort of like religion, faith, upbringing, something. Uh, then she goes on, comes back to school, and actually is brilliant. And she goes on to study uh, philosophy, particularly a field called phenomenology, um, after Edmund Herschel. And that's actually the field that then um, Alice von Hildebrand uh, and Dietrich von Hildebrand uh, end up studying. So great connections happening there down the line. So Edith, in her adult years, in her studying uh, at university, in her uh, becoming a professor, and trying to get a position uh, like lecturing at a university, but actually could not because that she was um, a woman and a Jew, uh, was left out of that um, opportunity, which was devastating, of course, and extremely frustrating because she knew that she had a lot to say and was, was a brilliant mind right alongside um, the other men in her field. Um, along the way, a handful of uh, Catholic friends she makes. And there's an interesting impact that's happening uh, on her, something, some new world she hasn't quite uh, touched. And um, she eventually then also is with um, one of her friends, Adolf, who's, who dies um, in the war. And his wife, Anna, um, really, really impacts Edith because she says, for the first time before my very eyes, the church born of Christ's redemptive suffering, victorious over the sting of death. It was the moment in which my unbelief shattered, Judaism paled, and Christ radiated before me, 
Christ in the mystery of the cross. Because Anna uh, was dealing with her grief very courageously. And Edith had never seen anything like that before and was very intrigued by this Christ that she believed in. And then um, there's a great moment when she saw a woman come into the church with a bunch of grocery bags um, and drop them all and was having what seemed to be an intimate conversation with God. And she had no idea what a personal prayer uh, life could mean and that we could have a relationship with this creator God. And that really struck her. And the final thing that really um, moved the needle in her conversion is reading the autobiography of St. Teresa of Avila. She was so captivated, she read it in one night, she closed the book and she said, this is truth, I must convert to Catholicism. That was at age 30. In 1922, she officially became Catholic and um, she wanted to become a religious sister and by 1933, she was indeed able to become a religious sister. And unfortunately, she did die um, in a concentration camp in 1942. Um, she took the name St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross, and here's what she has to say about her name. I must tell you that I already brought my religious name with me into the house as a postulant. I received it exactly as I requested it. By the cross, I understood the destiny of God's people. I thought that those who recognized it as the cross of Christ had to take it upon themselves in the name of all. Today I know more of what it means to be wedded to the Lord in the sign of the cross. Of course, one can never comprehend it, for it is a mystery. So here's a woman who knows a lot about suffering, knows a lot about the cross, and here's something else that she says about the connection then of what she learned about redemptive suffering, about Christ and the cross, and about loving. She said, if the soul wishes to share Christ's life, she must pass through the death on the cross with him. Like him, she must crucify her own nature through a life of mortification and self-denial and surrender herself to be crucified in suffering and death as God may ordain or permit it. The more perfect this active and passive crucifixion may be, the more intimate will be the union with the crucified, and therefore the richer the participation in the divine life. And through this crucifixion, through this suffering, Edith actually speaks of the incredible authentic freedom that she got to embrace, that all of us Christians are able to embrace. And here's how, how you obtain it. Here's what she says. Holy obedience binds our feet so that they no longer go their own way, but God's way. Children of the world say they are free when they are not subject to another's will. The children of God see freedom as something else. They want to be unhindered in following the Spirit. So Edith is sold out for the reality that the only way to authentic freedom in this life is through Jesus Christ, through obedience to Jesus Christ, Son of God, the Holy Trinity. So here she is to speak of us as children of God, as how do we um, how do we do this? And our goal is to be unhindered in following the Spirit of God. So we want to know how has God made us to be, and we want to follow that because we trust Him, because He's a good God, because He's the one who gives us the freedom and the love that we're so desperately longing for, because He made us in this way to be connected to Him um, and to learn who we are from Him, who is our Creator, who is our artist, who is the one who formed our very souls and our very bodies. Um, 
Okay, so um, Edith says lots of things about women. She's very famous for writing about women. And I'm reading some things from a book called Embracing Edith Stein, Wisdom for Women. Um, it's written by Anne Costa. This is like the most amazing kind of summary book of what Edith Stein has to say that I've found. Um, she writes beautifully and very dense. <laughs> she um, is highly intellectual and uh, it takes a little bit to, to move through her writings um, because they're dense and brilliant, really. So um, here's some quotes, uh, but they're direct quotes from Edith Stein. And then in this book, it's uh, really lovely the way this woman, Anne Costa, kind of weaves things together and helps fill in the gaps in between and helps to understand um, what Edith was saying. So I'd highly recommend this book to anyone. Uh, men and women alike, and a great book for discussion. I did a, um, a like small group with this book once. Um, okay, so um, this big question, okay, people are always asking, where do women belong? And they asked Edith, okay, back in the um, like early 1920s, where do women belong today? And she said, everywhere. I believe that the participation of women in the most diverse professional disciplines could be a blessing for the entire society. And we cannot evade the question as to what we are and what we should be. So Edith absolutely is very pro the intellectual life, is very pro the professional life, and also remembers who we are and what we're made for. And so here's what she says about that. She says, before we can carry out our specific roles and fulfill our God-given vocations, we need to first become a person before a woman can become wife and mother in a positive way. She must first mature in her own self-possession. Although woman longs to love and receive love, she must also become strong enough to be a true gift to another. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. So um, Edith is famous then for coming up with this uh, four aspects of the feminine soul um, that both men and women possess, but women in a particular way possess. But I think I'm actually going to hold off and maybe that will be next week's because there's something else um, that I love about um, that Edith has to say that I don't hear as often. So I would love to move us in that direction instead. The first thing that she has to say, almost as a preface, before these five aspects that she's going to talk about, um, is that the deepest longing of a woman's heart is to give herself lovingly, to belong to another, and to possess this other being completely. And how does one go about such a thing? How do we do that? She says, only God can welcome a person's total surrender in such a way that one does not lose one's soul in the process but wins it. And the number one way that this needs to happen is through our relationship with our Eucharistic Lord. And she says, to have divine love as its inner form, a woman's life must be a Eucharistic life. Only in daily confidential relationship with the Lord in the tabernacle can one forget self, be free of all one's own wishes and pretensions, and have a heart open to all the needs and wants of others. Okay, so Edith is pointing out right away that um, something that's important in the longing of a woman's heart is to belong to another and to possess another completely, to be in a loving, healthy, stable, safe, secure relationship. 
And let me tell you, that resonates with my own heart. <laughs> and I know that this is true for men as well, but women are created particularly for relationship and have an attunement to relationship and a desire for relationship and capacity that is um, different and, and more grand, grandiose, uh, than than men naturally do. Okay, so more of that will be said in, in next week's with those um, four qualities. But today, um, I want to talk about... Edith says, every human soul is unique. No one soul is the same as another. The picture of a woman's soul as it would correspond to the eternal vocation of woman has these five attributes. Expansive, quiet, empty of self, warm, and clear. Okay, so initially, kind of confusing, maybe hard to understand. Maybe you agree or don't agree with those words off the bat. So I'm going to share a little bit more about what each of those um, means. So an expansive soul uh, is one that is open to all human beings, that is inclusive, that's championing of life, that is open to uh, relationships, that preserves the dignity of the human person. Um, Kind of like I was just saying before, this capacity for relationship. And um, Edith found something very interesting that I'm thrilled that she's put into words. She says, Immediately before and for a good while after my conversion, I was of the opinion that to lead a religious life meant one had to give up all that was secular and to live totally immersed in thoughts of the divine. But gradually, I realized that something else is asked of us in this world and that even in the contemplative life, one may not sever the connection with the world's. I even believe that the deeper one is drawn into God, the more one must go out of oneself to the world in order to carry out divine life into it. Beautiful. Okay, so expansive soul um, that has capacity to invite others in. And Edith is famous for saying um, that the woman's soul is a shelter for another to unfold in. I hope that resonates with you. Okay, next is quiet. What does it mean to have a quiet soul? Edith says, uh, it's a tenderness. It's women who have ears for the softest and most imperceptible little voices. And Edith says, in order to be able to um, acquire this and live in this place, right, because our days can be very chaotic, we can be um, desiring to help in lots of ways or be naturally busy with uh, all of the engagements that we have in our lives, she says, She says, God is there with us in all of these moments, and he can give us in a single moment exactly what we need. Thus, the remainder of the day will continue, perhaps in great fatigue and laboriousness, but in peace. And when night comes and retrospect shows that everything was patchwork and much which one had planned left undone, when so many things rouse shame and regret, Then take all as it is, lay it in God's hands, and offer it up to him. In this way, we will be able to rest in him, actually to rest, and to begin the new day like a new life. And during the day when things get crazy and busy and we have no idea when we're going to get things done and we're in a rush, she says, we know that the best way to find peace is before the tabernacle. But when it isn't possible, and when a quiet hour is not an option, and when there is no place to retreat to, a woman must, for a moment, seal herself off inwardly against all the other things, and to take refuge in her Lord. Okay, next we have empty of self. 
So to be empty of self sounds a little strange, um, but it's something of being free of a self-preoccupation and that our souls can be satisfied from within uh, by the presence of God, by the grace of God alone. And she says that a woman's destiny as being that gracious spirit that wants nothing else than to be divine light streaming out as a serving love. And she says it really is possible for us to find a state of resting in God, of complete relaxation of all mental activity, in which you make no plans at all, reach no decision, much less take action, but rather leave everything that's future to the divine will, consigning yourself entirely to fate. As I surrender myself to this feeling, new life begins to fill me up little by little and impel me without any voluntary exertion toward new activation. The fourth aspect is warmth. Edith talks about a softness, a tenderness of woman. And Edith likens this natural warmth of a woman's soul to the glow and fire of the Holy Spirit. She goes so far as to say, find the Holy Spirit in all works of womanly love and compassion inasmuch as it is the Holy Spirit, as father of the poor, consoler and helper, who heals the wounded, warms the numb, refreshes the thirsty, and bestows all the good gifts. She says, when the heavenly fire, this divine love, has consumed all impure matters, then it burns in the soul as a quiet flame, which not only warms, but also illuminates. Then all is bright, pure, and clear. And that brings us to the final aspect that she's talking about here, clear. What does it mean to be um, clear, to be wise, to be free of original sin, to be, have sight be made transparent in the light of the Holy Spirit. And this brings us back to that quote from the beginning, when Edith is relating a clear soul to the freedom of purity, that is the fruit of obedience, and contrasts this spiritual freedom with a worldly freedom. She says, children of the world say they are free when they are not subject to another's will, when no one stops them from satisfying their wishes and inclinations. But the children of God see freedom as being unhindered in following the Spirit of God. And they know that the greatest hindrances do not come from without, but lie within ourselves. Our greatest hindrances actually lie within ourselves. It's our own weaknesses, it's our own sinfulness that gets in the way of this freedom uh, to be a child of God and this freedom to live a peaceful life. And I love that St. Paul talks about um, in our weakness, Christ can be made strong. And Alice von Hildebrand beautifully in her book, The Privilege of Being a Woman, which I highly recommend, she beautifully talks about how often women are seen as the weaker sex. And she talks about how women are often seen as the weaker sex and how actually it's in this weakness that women have such a strength. This because women are more naturally disposed to ask for help. Women are more naturally disposed to recognize our weakness, to want to be in relationship, to be willing to receive, to surrender. All of that is so, so helpful in having a relationship with the Lord and recognizing that the Lord is our God and our Savior and ruler of this world and ruler of my life. 
And it is so much easier, it seems, as a woman to be able to submit ourselves to that truth, to that reality, to that obedience. And so actually, women have an incredible advantage in that way, oftentimes, um, to be able to have um, relationship with the Lord. And so uh, Edith Stein, I find, as an incredible woman who is uh, brilliant and who knows the cross and who knows the pains of being um, a woman, of being... Um, rejected from professional life when she absolutely deserved to be among all of the men at the university level and she never let that discourage her and her influence is still impacting the church today and that is absolutely inspiring to me and it very much brings me right back to this verse that we began with charm is deceptive and beauty fleeting the woman who fears the Lord is to be praised I thank you, Lord Jesus, for Edith Stein, for a woman who knew to fear you, the Lord, who knew who to look to, to find the answers to her big questions, to her desire for truth, her desire for what it means to be a woman. Thank you, God, for her example, for her witness, for her courage, for her fleshy willingness to be broken, bruised, and poured out just like your own sacred heart, that you'd given her the grace to find you, to know you, and to proclaim your name, to proclaim the truths of how you have created us, male and female, he created them. We thank you, God, for women and for men on this earth and for your marvelous plan for humanity. We pray all these things in your most holy name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Come Alive. I pray that you keep asking questions, keep pondering what is sticking with you from this, and most importantly, talk to the Lord about it in your time of prayer today. If you want to share anything with me and you know me, I'd love to hear it. If you don't know me, you can email me at helenad at uwcatholic.org, and I'd love to hear from you too. God bless you all.